Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Casey Gillette, the Senior Director of Digital at Co-Marketing, and we're going to be talking about customer experience and the impact that it's having on search and digital marketing as a whole. Enjoy the show. Hey, Casey, thanks for joining the show. Great to have you on. Hey, thanks, Brent, for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here. Yeah, it's, you know, me and you have known each other for a long time, and I've, I've always wanted to get you on the show, and, um, you know, so I'm excited to have you on. And we're going to talk about something really interesting today, um, uh, customer experience and its impact on search and digital space. And this is interesting because um, for a long time as SEOs, we were really focused on, like, a real checklist mentality, and the language was always, like, for the betterment of the, you know, customer, but... In the end, we were really looking at how do we raise authority, how do we write the right contact, how do we get indexed properly. But a lot of the shifts over the year was with mobile first and uh, you know site load speeds and a number of other elements have really kind of driven us towards customer experience in all things when it comes down to really how we get that authority with EAT and now with you know the implementation of BERT. Um, how do you see that kind of transition where customers' you know experience is really all that matters? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I started thinking about this, I mean, probably eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. Um, and I specifically remember I was working in-house and one of the things I loved that they did is they were so focused on the customer. And so they were using it to generate word of mouth. We were using it to generate links. And we were doing these things that it made me realize like, oh, wow, like this, this is this is marketing, right? This is the future of search is, you know, we can't just, you know, you're thinking 10 years ago, people were still kind of doing like shady link building. And I'm, I'm sitting here watching like, oh, this is legit, right? This is how we're going to get people to talk about us and link to us and write about us. Um, this is how we're going to build our brand and build our presence in search. And so I started watching this and I thought, God, this is so cool. Um, but as marketers and especially as search marketers, you know, people talk all the time and you hit on it, right? We talk about like, oh, we're building for search engines. The reality is that those search engines are getting so much smarter and they're looking at what people want. And so that's where I think there's this overlap now where the search engines know what customers want sometimes before we do, right? And so we have to adapt to that. And so I think it's just this big opportunity for us and we're seeing it happening. You know, it, I think we've gotten away from for the most part, people just optimizing straight up for search. Um, and, and, you know, the the spiders themselves and the search engines themselves. But I still think we have a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the study I always kind of refer back to, which I think is really, um, you know, a great example of technology kind of figuring things out was not so much Google, but Facebook. They had done a, a survey um, and they had done a, a, an article years and years ago that had said, you know, essentially after X number of likes, we know you better than your, your <laughs> friends. After X number of likes, we know you better than your spouse, you know. And so it got to a point where it was like by 300 likes, they knew you better than you, you knew yourself. 
which is terrifying. Which is, you know, it, it's terrifying in a sense, but it's also, it, it, it's kind of in part where, you know, I forget the name of it, but you remember that leaked Google kind of video that was talking about how they really want you to like log in and basically say, this is what oh, right. I want out of life. Um, you know, if you look at Apple, if you look at Google, if you look at Facebook, if you look at a lot of these platforms, they really want to eliminate the question. They want to be able to say, you know, trust us to tell you uh, what you need and, and guide you down that path. And that has a whole bunch of terrifying aspects with it. But that study really kind of turned me on first. But I think one of the big things that listeners kind of battle with is a lot of times the people who focus on the customer experience and the customer um, as a whole fail and and people who don't succeed and that's always the kind of burden with you know these strategies right now is that you can turn around and point to an example of well this site is doing absolutely nothing but seo and they're outranking me so if they're outranking me and i'm doing what's right then maybe i'm doing what's wrong and i think that's the challenge how do you deal with you know kind of knowing that tomorrow is is truly a customer experience algorithm, but today is still pulled back by some of these checklist elements. I love that question because you're so right. And I think there's there's a balance, right? There's absolutely this balance. But I think the other key point is that sometimes when people are thinking about the customer experience and we're thinking about, oh, I have to like, um, you know, uh, engage with my customers or get them to engage with me, we're more thinking about, oh, I have to give them something or I have to be on social. And we're not necessarily thinking about our own sites. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you get people coming to your site and yes, you're optimizing for, you're trying to get them through search, but you can do that by answering the questions that are being asked on search results, right? Like Google gives us those questions. We see those answer boxes. We see those people also ask boxes. That's what your audience is looking for, right? So if you can create the content that addresses those questions, now you're optimizing for the search results to get people to your site and you're giving your customers the experience they want. And so that's, you know, I know for the past few years, like people have talked a lot about, um, you know, some of these tools that give you the FAQs, right? You have your answer, the public, you have your FAQ Fox, SEM rush is doing it now. Um, a lot of the platforms have this where they're giving you these questions. And to me, that has always been like search gold, uh, because that's it, right? Those are the things your customers want. And so you can do that and you're helping yourself with optimizing your site. I think it's a really good point to kind of look at, you know, what's not working, right? What questions do people have? What what solutions are they really looking for? And I always thought it was amazing that nobody created like a Windows Mac error site, right? How many people are going out there searching these error commands and these different right. commands? And yet when you find the answer, it's always some forum that's like three years ago. So you're like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's not the operating system I'm on now, so that can't be my problem, right? And then you get like a bunch of pseudo answers. There's like no real like curated, there used to be one, and I forget the name of it, it ran for free. There was a forum that was free, and it, and it had all of these solutions, and you could upload your log files, and you could upload, they had a tool that would get a full BIOS from your computer, and they would come back with a, a solution for you. And it was run by all the people at um, the, the, the antivirus software companies. Wow. You can look this up. I cannot That's remember brilliant. the name, but I'm sure some listeners will know and some people will comment on it. But it was all the people who uh, wrote the code for these antivirus that were volunteering their time to solve these problems, right? And so there was this forum, but they had no f financial monetary element to it. So it ended up dying because nobody could keep it alive, but it lasted many, many years. Wow. So I always used to tell people, you know, go and look at your competitors' support forums. Look at where yeah. people are having problems yeah. as, as a, a place to kind of identify that. But I think a lot of times we get lost in that experience of what our customer really wants, right? We get very into our business. And one of the big challenges is to really put yourself in your customer's shoes enough to know what they're looking for, what are the questions, what appeals to them versus what you think appeals with them. And and there's a lot of examples of this, but how do you answer the question of what really appeals to my customer? Yeah, I mean, I think that, so you just mentioned forums and I always, I always use forums in my presentations, like whenever I'm talking about this topic, 
because there is still a forum for everything. They're re- and they're still active and they still look like they're straight out of the 90s. But like people are there and they're talking about things. Um, and it's just, I just think it's so great for doing content research and figuring out. But even your own brand, you know, especially house or you work at an agency and you're working with a client, to your point, like people have this idea of what they think people are searching or they think people think about them. But just go and look on social, right? You can go and look and see how people are talking about you. Go look and see how are your competitors talking about you. Um, That's going to give you the perspective. And that information is all out there, right? Whether you're using like a mention tool to track your name, whether you're going and looking at Quora, whether you're looking just in the search results themselves. Um, We work with a lot of software companies, like a ton of technologies. And so you have these, the, the Capteras and the G2 crowds, right? Like, they do a fantastic job of just being everywhere, which, you know, good or bad, whatever it is. But in those sites, there's people talking about your tools, right? They're reviewing you. Um, and those are actual people because I don't know if you get these, but like G2 Crowd is always trying to pay me to review things, right? <laughs> so like they're always sending me emails like I'll give you a $5 Starbucks card if you go and review this tool, so like, sure. I know that those are real people. So the opportunity is there. The information is there. You just have to go find it. Yeah, and I've always been a huge Reddit fan just for that, right? I mean, if you, you want right. to know how your brand's doing in Reddit, just go post a couple things and interact yeah. a little bit. And they're going to they're gonna tell you what they think of your brand. Um, but, but, you know, let's say, for instance, somebody who might be listening, they don't have a brand that's established. I mean, not everybody has people out talking about them. Sure. And a lot of times they're trying to figure out you know, that's, that's the thing is that, the, you know, we, we talk about kind of the 5% a lot of times as an example, either the 5% that are really horrible or the 5% are truly amazing. <laughs> right. But that 90% of people who kind of fit in the middle and are just trying to poke their way through, you know, those people, when it comes down to what appeals to my customer, when you, they don't even really maybe know their customer, like sure. how long should a video be? Should you use video or not? How long is your content need to be? And should it be, you know, visual or or more statistical or more how-to, you know? And how do we kind of figure these things out? Do we A-B test? You know, do we look at competitors? What what would you suggest to people listening that are uh, kind of like, I don't have a bunch of forums talking about my yeah. stuff? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, you know, we work with some smaller companies where that's absolutely the case. And so we are looking at competitors. We're looking at just the industry as a whole. Um, like I, we have a new client that came in and, you know, their target keyword is like marketing, according to them, is marketing technology platform. That's not a thing, right? (laughs) That's just not, that's not a thing. Like it is, but it couldn't be more broad. Like it doesn't describe your product. And so what we have, what we're doing is, all right, well, here are the things that your solution does. Here are the things your platform does. Let's go look and see what's already out there, right? Are there videos already out there about email automation? Are there videos out there about retargeting? What are your competitors doing? Um, Who are your competitors, right? Because it may be a variety of people that don't necessarily overlap. Um, And, you know, when it gets to the question of, like, what type of content should I be creating? Uh, You know, how long should it be? You have to ask yourself, what's the goal of that content? Right? Like you have to figure out, like, I'm not just putting out content because I want to put out content. Like if I'm putting out a video because I think, you know, I want to give people an overview of my product or I want to give them a demo. Well, then that pro- that video should be as long as you need it to be to accomplish that. Right. If you're just showcasing a feature, have it, you know, it needs to be as long as you need. Um, you know, are people going to watch it if it's useful? Yes. Um, you know, I, I have a client who asked me just the other day, like, how long should this blog post be? Well, what are we trying to do with it? Is it trying to rank in search results for a specific term? Because if so, we need to go see what's already there, right? We need to make sure it addresses the queries. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't think there's any one answer, Brent, like, like anything. Yeah. I always come back to like one of the best one of the best books I think everybody in marketing should read is a book called Contagious, right? And and the reason yeah, I, 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 I love it. I, I love it because it teaches us that what we think works doesn't necessarily work. Right. right? There's a science behind this. And so yeah. I always come back to the power of humanity and, and the purpose of marketing is to understand one simple concept and that's storytelling. 
people storytell and for a number of different reasons. And if you want to have influence and you want to have branding and you want to have natural kind of, you know, traction, then you have to understand how people are storytelling today, right? So when Facebook and social came out and everybody's like, ah, oh, it's a trend. No, it's it's the, the precursor to how you're understanding the shift in storytelling. And, and, and now it's gone visual and video. Why? Because you have more, you have more micro signals. You're able to determine from somebody's actions and their voices whether they're authentic or not or whether they believe it or not, whether they use the right language. So we see kind of the impact of marketing kind of shift through storytelling. And and so there are standards out there. You can go and review. You can read how long should a video be, you know, what's the, the, the topics people are searching for, how are people digesting content, what devices are they on. And if you figure out storytelling, then you can kind of figure out half of the equation. And then, of course, the other half of the equation is a lot of testing, a lot of looking at competitive, as you yeah. kind of mentioned. So it's definitely something that I find very interesting. So one additional question, because a lot of times we go through this exercise and we're like, this is it. This is what works. And then we have to figure out how that changes over the next six months, right? Great example of this is in PPC, right? You can go in and figure out your best ad copy. You do the testing. You know, you figure it out. You're like, this is the one that converts the best, right? <laughs> I'm right. not, why would I spend money on all these other phrases that don't convert as good as this one unless you're hitting a budget cap, right? Unless you're like, I can't spend enough, right? And then you start expanding. But until that point comes, you know what's best. But is that best for six months from now? What do you do when you've kind of established what appeals to your customers in order to continue to kind of evaluate that in, in the coming months, the coming years? Well, I think your goals change, right? So like, here's an example, um, you know, for from a content marketing perspective, like we will build, like we've built these, I almost call them like FAQ type pages for clients um, because they do fantastic in search, right? Like they, they hit the answer box almost every time. They're in the people also ask boxes. So we've built these very comprehensive pages that will address a query. Great. Okay. Step one, we've now gotten into the answer box. We're now on the first page of this result and now we're getting people to the, to the page. Well, what are they doing now? Now that goal changes. I need to figure out, am I giving people the information they're actually looking for? Well, what's my bounce rate? What are people doing? I'm evaluating that page. Like, are they actually converting? Are they going and doing anything else on the site? And so we actually do this quite a bit where we're iterating along that journey. Um, and we're going and looking and saying, okay, well, let's test moving up um, some like banners to the top. So like for one particular client, we put assets at the top. So like related assets, like, okay, this person came in, they're pretty top of the funnel. Let's put some middle of the funnel assets there to take them to the next part of their journey. Um, so that's something we might test or we might say, okay, well, we tested this, like people are leaving at this part of the page. So why don't we move this up or why don't we shift this section? Um, and that's just one example, but I think the point is you have to keep think, thinking about what is the next step here. Um, and same thing, like that page, to your point, in six months, like it might not be doing anything. <laughs> like now what are we going to do with it, right? Like let's say it drops out of the search results. Okay, fine. So now I've taken away my audience, but perhaps it's still converting or perhaps we're seeing that people find it really valuable. So I could take that, turn it into an ebook or turn it into an asset that I can use in an email promotion or a sales thing, you know? So I think there's just different ways you have to look at what's happening and always think about what's next and how do I iterate? The other thing you really want to uh, think about, I, I, just to kind of toss in a, a advice to anybody listening, is that there's a lot of elements that come from seasonal aspects, right? Yeah. So, you know, how things convert during one part of the year can be completely di different than how they convert Absolutely. in a different part of the year. You know, summer and winter, you know, yeah. holidays, and, you know, north and south. Like, So I think there's there's other factors. And what, but one of the things that you kind of run into a lot is, I want to test, but I don't want to take away too much. Do you sure. have, is there a sense, uh, like a kind of a, a general practice for like a percent that you leave alone and a percent that you allocate to testing? Or is it, re you know, is there a certain, you know, I, I, I'm going to test a couple banners versus I'm going to launch an entire new site and test an entire new site. Like where do you yeah. find the balance between, <laughs> you know, not blowing up what works? Yeah. I mean, I, we typically start small, you know, to be completely honest, because, you know, for most of our clients, they're not, um, 
Yeah, we work in the B2B space. So it's, you know, you can test a couple, we can test a couple things, but like we typically have to be pretty cautious. Um, and, and what I mean by that is also that audience tends to be smaller, right? So it's not like a big e-com site where you're getting 100,000 visits a day that makes that testing much easier. Um, you know, they might get like 5,000 visits a day or 3,000, um, maybe 400 to a page. And so when you're thinking about testing, like, that doesn't scale the same way. So um, we're a little bit more apprehensive to do anything big. Um, so like even if it's just testing like CTAs or CTA colors or, or moving sections of the page, we'll typically only do like one thing at a time. What do you look for? What should people be looking for? I mean, we talk about, you know, customer satisfaction. Is that, you know, and, and, and obviously, I mean, me and you and probably a lot of people know that can be defined as a lot of different things, you know, depending on, uh, you know, your goals. Are you looking for, you know, time on site because you're trying to brand yep. and you're trying to build your, your thought leadership? Are you, you know, looking at conversions because you want people to end their, you know, path, right? Are you a company or a product that can even end the, the journey or are you just a part of the journey? You know, the, these questions come up a lot. And, and so what should, what would you say? I mean, you know, generally speaking, obviously everybody has specific things but generally speaking what are some of the factors to watch for to determine whether or not your customers are happy with their experience or not on your site like statistically yeah I mean I think one you need to know I think one of the things that happens is people look at their site as one thing that everything is the same and it's not right like every page on your site is not the same and every page on your site does not have the same goal right some of those things are very top of the funnel so you should be looking at okay well i'm getting in people how many of them are staying you know what is the time on site um i i know that's kind of a tricky metric i don't use it too too much but i more so look at all right if someone's coming to this page and just bouncing clearly i'm not giving them the right thing but if there's another page that you know i it's the middle of the funnel i'm trying to get them to convert and they're not right i'm trying to get them to download something and they're not i need to adjust and so I think the first step there is understanding, like, what are the goals of each page, um, right? That's going to tell you what you should be looking at in terms of metrics. Um, and then, you know, if, and again, you know, it's also dependent on your own site. You know? Right. If, if I only get 30 people downloading an ebook, like, is that good? Yeah, maybe it's awesome. <laughs> what does that look like? in three months like do i now have two people doubting that ebook and why like what happened right maybe now i'm not giving them what they need like i have you know one of my clients for example um you know they're a marketing automation platform and so they do a lot of assets like that and one of the assets they put out was just this very high level like um like 101 type asset and it didn't perform and the reason and what i mean by that it didn't perform is that people aren't downloading it, right? They're not yeah. getting leads from it because that's not their audience. Yeah, their audience was too advanced. Yep. We, we run into that sometimes. We're all often surprised on Search Engine Journal because so much of us, you know, have this like, you know, 15 years experience and we're like right. really, really, really kind of knowledgeable in this space. So we make assumptions that people are, they're, the bottom level is a little higher than it is. Yeah. And so, and a lot of times we have readers who will come back to something that's very basic and be like, oh, that was so helpful. And we're like, wow. Okay, well, there's still, you know, <laughs> you know, not it's not a it's just the journey. There's a right. lot more people starting their journey than we had anticipated at one point years back when we did surveys, and that's why we've started to put out a lot more ebooks. So, that that's great information. One other thing I wanted to throw in there since we're talking about kind of, you know, you were mentioning, you know, time on site. Um, I saw a great presentation in Europe when I was speaking um, in Germany. And, uh, uh, you know, I can't remember who the presenter was, but he was talking about Google Tag Manager and how you can add a lot of data layer um, suggestions in there. And so a lot of um, elements in there were to be able to track how far somebody actually scrolled and how many words were in an article. And you can really start to set up you know, really multiple layers to give you a lot more detail than, you know, the basic uh, analytics. And if people aren't aware, the general analytics that you get from Google Analytics, if you're not extremely knowledgeable, is almost useless to you. I mean, I mean, just completely useless. It will tell, I've seen companies who are like, uh, we're doing SEO for this big company, uh, big furniture company, national furniture company, but they're focused in Florida, right? They're 
Florida traffic is going up 15% month over month where they only have stores, right? They only care about, but they had been getting so much traffic from international and other states because Google wasn't doing very good with their local, right? Uh, back in the day, right? And so you'd get more, but they're like, our overall traffic is going down 1.5% a month. I was like, you're like, that's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what's supposed to happen, you know? And so you get in some of those debates, but I definitely would, um, you know, spend some time on Google Tag Manager. Um, you know, and, and that kind of doesn't lead me into it, but I have another kind of question because we're talking about a lot of um, technical or SEO kind of aspects. Um, but in some cases, do you feel that SEO isn't even really needed for some people? Like, you know, if it, it, I'll give you a great example. I, 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 my girlfriend has a yoga studio in um, Jersey, and um, they rank number one locally. And when anybody searches for yoga, they are the number one studio. Um, so they don't really need to do SEO. They don't really need to do marketing. They don't really need to do anything except for if somebody shows up on their site, instill a sense of confidence in, yep. in the studio that give them the information that they need, like the schedule and the pricing and the options and give them the amenities. Like, yes, we do have a shower outside of that. They've been approached by so many SEOs like, Oh, you got to do all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 you know, you don't need to do anything. <laughs> you, you're not going to improve past position number one yeah. and you've already got it, you know, pretty solid. So just keep doing what you're doing. Maybe get some more reviews. And other than that, you're good. Do you see that more and more these days where if you were just to focus on customer experience and customer experience alone, you, you could win? I do. I mean, I absolutely do. I mean, I think that's a it's a rarer example, I'd say. Um, I mean, it's fantastic that, you know, she's already in that, that first position. And now it's what can you do to maintain that and mm -hmm. keep customers coming back, right? Or like, even if you're number one, like when that person is searching, like if I'm searching for a yoga studio, I need to see things like reviews, right? I want to see what's on your site. Like I want to see the type of, inf like the things you just said, like what are customers saying about this, right? Who are the instructors? I want to know their background. Um, so it's even just making sure things like that are available. Um, another instance is I have a client who they just have a well-known brand. And so like <laughs> yeah. we made some, we made some, like when we first started the program, we made some minor technical updates and it jumped up like 20%, right? Just in search because they already have such a well-known brand that they don't need this full scale, like really in-depth SEO program where we're cranking out content and, you know, we're doing link building for them. They don't need that. You know, what they do need is to make sure that, you know, their international sites are all set up properly, that Google understands how these things all tie in. Um, you know, could they benefit from some content? Sure. Um, but in that case, like the scope of the program is just so much, it's, it's so much more minimal. Like people just know their brand, they trust their products. And so some of the things we're actually doing are focused on like giveaways, right? They, they're a medical device company and they work with schools and they work with um, like rec centers and things like that. And so, um, you know, we're doing things that, that let's say you're an AD at one school, you might move to the next. Well, if you already are familiar with this, now you're taking that with sure, you, yeah. right? So those are the things that we're working on now versus just your traditional SEO program. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. 
And what would you say, like, uh, you know, in your opinion, um, if we're looking at, you know, we're talking about storytelling, we're talking about technological things like FAQs and page speed. Like a lot of people, we haven't talked in depth on that, but, you know, page speed is a huge thing, right? Like making sure your page loads properly. You don't have interstellar ads that cover the whole screen that cause you to lose authority. You don't have, you know, elements jumping around, which is now a factor that's starting to be watched, right? So we're starting to see... Um, a lot of these kind of user experience things show up in the technical side. But, you know, that's just one example. What are some of the things that, did, regardless of your industry, regardless of the type of site you have, um, customers are expecting as an, as an experience they want with a website? What are some of the features that you would say across the board are, are ideal to have? I mean, it has to be easy to navigate. And I know that's such a stupid thing to say. But how many times have you pulled something up on your phone and you're like, I don't, I don't even know where the menu is, right? yeah. <laughs> like, or I can't find something, or only half the pages are accessible to me. Um, and I find this a lot with restaurants, actually, which is just infuriating because, like, you really only need to have like three things for me to be able to find, right? Like your menus, your address, and like maybe how to make reservations. But I find myself searching trying to find how do I get to the menu or how do I get to the reservation? Like, how do I find this information? Um, and so I know that it's stupid, but navigation is such a big thing. I need to be able to find what I'm looking for. Um, you know, the other piece of it is just like that clear call to action. You know, uh, again, just like a client of mine, just so simple, like you would get to their site and like, especially on mobile, and you would scroll, 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 and wouldn't see a single thing about what to do next. Right? Yeah, like I think you always have to account. You always have to account for the people who are already sold. They're just looking for for right. the quick purchase, right? You always got to make that person be able to find that purchase quick. Right, and even if it's like not a purchase, but like, what is the information I need? Like, take me to the next step. Like, show me something to your products. I can do something there. Uh, you know, like make it easy for me. Um, and I think that's the key. It's just not having your information buried. Um, help me take that next step. And I know it varies across industry and product of what you actually need. But yeah, of course, your page speed. Um, you know, and and sometimes I wonder, Brent. Like, we're so in it. Right? Like we're so in it that like we see everything that happens, right? Like we're so aware of like what a website does and how it performs and like what some of the nuances are. Um, I, I sometimes wonder like how the average person feels about us. Well, I definitely don't like they come out with these things and they're like, if your site doesn't load in under one second, yeah, you lose thirty percent of your visitors. I'm like, what the. Come on, seriously. Now, do I think that people want a fast speed? Yes. And when yes. you're sitting in a dental office and you have one bar and you're like, God damn, right. this, this stupid site <laughs> won't load. I get it. I get it. But you're telling me that if it didn't load in one second, at 1.2 second, right. everybody's bailing? Come right. on. Right? right. So granted that we, I think your site should load like in under four seconds. And I think oh. that, you know, if you're getting these 30 second loads, there's, there's some serious issues. And I, but I think the biggest, the bigger frustration is, you know, your site could load in, in, in quick as crap, but if it jumps around and I hit the wrong button, I think there was right. a joke recently where I saw something that was like, you know, um, test launch missile. And then below it was a button that said launch missile. And the guy goes to click the test and it like jumps up and he clicks launch missile. And it's like, you know, your website design can have a big impact. Right. <laughs> I thought that I thought it was it was brilliant. Right. Um, but, you know, definitely, I think that that is an issue. I my biggest pet peeve right now is I appreciate the fact that you want, you know, Wall Street, you know, uh, Journal, I think it is, and a couple of these other sites want to give me a couple free reads per month before they're going to, you know, uh, gate my content. But yeah. I have never logged in or will never participate with a site that's gating content. I'm just simply yeah. going to go back to the search result and I'm going to yeah. pick the next result. Now, I feel like Google's just giving these people a pass because their their bounce rate has to be like 99%. You know, uh, you know, and and they're still managing this to to get the top result. But so well, and I, to that, I mean, to that point though, like I actually another thing that like I think is important, and now that you mention it, is I actually do like I subscribe to the Times and the Post, and so when my paywall hits, 
and I have to log in, like one of the things they both do exceptionally well is they give you different methods to log in. Because I don't know my password, exactly, right? Like, right? Especially when I'm on my phone, I do not know it. And so they like, you know, the post gives me the opportunity to log in with my Amazon account or my Google account or my email or Facebook, whatever it is. So like, that makes it really simple. It's really gotten nice with a lot of that. Like the integration, that's a good point. Yeah. Like the integration of third party softwares has gotten really good because I'm always logged into Facebook. So for me, any option I have to create or log in or anything with Facebook, it's there. I'm going to use it, right? Right. I don't even really use Facebook as a site. Like, I, you'll rarely see me post or respond or anything, and I check it, like, once a week, only when I get some <laughs> weird notification I want to see. But nonetheless, I use the login feature, and I would probably keep my account simply for the login feature forever. So if nothing else, Facebook's got, you know, the lock on logins, right? They could yeah. always just be a login functionality. Um, what do you think, though, about some of these things people hear, like, you got to have, you know, voice assistant, you know, commands in your schema or a schema in general. Like, what do you think about having FAQs and schema and some of these things? Should everybody have, you know, schema integrated? Should everybody have an FAQ of some yeah. sort on their site? So I am a huge fan of schema. Um, you know, I, there's this part of me that's like, God damn, Google, like taking all this, taking all our information, right? Because that's so. Like, I have I have a couple clients who we've implemented FAQ schema for, and guess what? It works. It's in the search results. And you know, my clients have asked that question of, is it worth having? Because are people then going to click into my search result when they can just get the information that's right there? Um, and that's always been the question, right? Like when we're thinking about answer boxes, like. Are, are, is Google taking that away or you know, am I giving them my information without getting the benefit of it? And I think the answer is, is no, right? Like it's still really important, like absolutely. Like if you can put your information out there, right? If you can mark up your business information so that when someone needs to find you, right? They know like they know your address, they know your hours, they know your inf their contact information. Is that worth it to me? Absolutely. Um, I just said, like, I, I would implement FAQ schema on all my clients if I had the opportunity. Well, I don't think people appreciate the fact that authority is not singular with Google, exactly. right? There's, there's so exactly. I many. So if you're, if you're authoritative for an FAQ answer that gives everybody the answer and nobody has to come to your site, there's, there should be right. ten other things on your site that people have to come to your site exactly. for, and you're going to find that that boost is going to get more visibility to those exactly. pages, right? So I do, yep. I, you know, I get a lot of access to kind of. Google in general. And what I will say is that, you know, that's a valid statement that there are, I can't get into, how do you say it and not say <laughs> it? Um, you, they're definitely looking at multiple things and they definitely have an ability to be able to adjust your site's overall authority in, in, yeah. in different ways. So um, I definitely think that um, it, it's valuable um, to incorporate and, and participate. I think the biggest challenge for people, um, and you're seeing it across the board in, in, in customer experience and the way Google's trying to combat you know, the user's feedback, is that people are tired of seeing 100 versions of the same article. So oh, yeah. more than anything, what you need to really do before you create anything is to think about does this really solve a unique right. you know, uh, proposition? Am I, could your name be taken off of it and it means nothing, right? Um, yeah. Or is it unique to you? So, so those are some of the areas, I think. Um, another question I, we have is that a, a lot of times, you know, people working at agencies and working with clients know this information. How do you take a company and clients who have, you know, somebody who's moved up to a CMO, but they used to be an SEO 10 years ago. And so a lot of people have these, you know, they went to a conference three years ago and learned that authorities <laughs> everything. So when you go to them and try to explain how user experience is really what we should be focusing on, you get pushback. What are some suggestions for people being able to kind of win over the older guard, the older SEO mindset of people to get them to kind of focus on other things, even at the expense of what they feel like are super important? Like, for example, let's not go spend $100,000 on link building. Let's spend 10000 on it and go spend $90,000 on some really good, you know, activation campaign. Yeah. Um, I mean, education, I mean, to me, is one of the hardest parts of our job. Um, 
because there is like it changes and there is so much old information out there and you're exactly right like that happens all the time where there's someone saying well I heard that you're supposed to do this or like I used to do this when I was you know when I was a you know a market digital marketer whatever it might be um so like here's an example just the other day um, one of my clients, they have an internal content team and they are, pu- they've been pushing back about, against some of the stuff we're doing. Um, because like, it just, it's not, it doesn't fit with their expectation of, of SEO. Right. And it doesn't fit with their expectation of what's supposed to happen. And so we actually got on the phone with them. I talked them through like, here's why we're doing it. Here are the elements that matter. And then in turn, I also sent them examples of like what we're doing for other clients that showed, Hey, look, here's how this is being used. And here's the results, right? Like I'm telling you to do this. And here's this other page that's very similar that is in position one. It drives 5,000 visits a month. It's doing this. Um, this is why we're doing it. I, so I, yeah, I think that's powerful. I think most of the time when I, I deal with executive C-suite level people, when you talk about competitors doing oh something gosh, better yes. than them, their their ears peak, perk yeah. up pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> They're like, whoa, who's doing what? <laughs> How are they doing it? So definitely I agree with that for sure. And and it doesn't always work though. You know, I, you know, I I had a former client who he was so set on doing like just old school link building because he had done it a couple years prior. He had hired someone in India who built, who built him built, I'm using built in air quotes, a thousand links. Right. And to him, it worked for a minute. And it's not working anymore, but he thinks it should work. So I had him send me the list. I said, fine, send me this list of all the links that you, that were built, right? Because he just wouldn't stop with it. And so I went through and I was like, this doesn't exist anymore. This is spam. This is spam. This is spam. This is spam. This doesn't <laughs> exist. But you know what? Like, it didn't matter to him because in his mind, that was the way that you should do link building. And so it just didn't end up being a good fit, unfortunately. And, and, and the program just never took off. So you can't win them all. <laughs> yeah, one of the other things that I think people are forgetting about right now across the industry, which I'll just comment on real quick before I, I lead us into our, our, our next kind of area, um, is that uh, your content that's not helpful shouldn't be on your website. Absolutely. Like I, I think a lot yeah. of people are still in this idea mindset where, oh, well, I have this bunch of content over there, but it might not be helping, but I'm just going to focus on my helpful content. No, yeah. you really need to get rid of any content that's not benefiting you. I mean, look at your analytics, look at your log files. If Google, if you've submitted 20,000 URLs to your sitemap and you know through your sitemap and you're seeing only 5,000 are indexed, those other 15,000, nobody wants. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> It's important to realize that because you need to get rid of it. You need to 301 redirect it to categories or you need to rewrite it into something that is useful. But just leaving it there actually has a negative impact on your authority today, Um, especially when we start getting into authorship. Like when we start getting more into this combating fake news and combating, you know, quality of information, where did it come from, right? We're seeing that already in a lot of schema, like, you know, claim review and these different tags that are meant to kind of validate Right. And as that continues to go, if you have all this really low quality content, it's going to hurt your brand's authority uh, through, through Google and through, you know, um, user experience. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, we started doing that probably, I'd say, four or five years ago um, because, you know, we had some client. I had a specific client who like we had been writing for them for years and they were going through a site redesign. And so we were like, you know what, like, let's just take a look through what's not performing. And we ended up getting rid of probably like 200 blog posts. And the thing, you know, and I remember saying to them, and I still have to say to this now, like we do this exercise for clients pretty consistently. I have to say, I know it's counterintuitive to what we've told you before or what you typically think about content, but but having that old content on there isn't helping you. Um, And we've seen some really great jumps just by removing it. But I think it can be hard to wrap your head around it mentally because it is counterintuitive to everything we typically say. Well, I had to get a company on board with that. And so what I did is I went and looked at the analytics and log files and I was like, look, here's all of your traffic. traffic. And 98% of your content got two visits in the last three months. So they're like, I'm like, if you got rid of it, what would you lose? You're already not, you're not ranking for it. It's not driving any traffic. It's not coming in. It's not doing anything for you. It it absolutely performs 
nothing for yep. your your mission. So you might as well just remove it, and then you don't have it there anymore. And now you can yep. focus. And we have seen time over time over time again the 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 the, the traffic you get from SEO in in cases that this is done properly and it makes sense and it's done well. We're seeing more traffic from search than yep. all the pages combined before we yep. we cut the, the traffic. So we went down to two percent of the content, and all of a sudden we're getting like ten x the, the traffic, <laughs> right? And it's yeah. like it's counterintuitive, but it, it's not counterintuitive when you think about Google's goal of, you know, they stopped wanting to index the world's content years ago. You know, I mean, um, and and you're seeing changes that go in that route, and that kind of leads me to this next question for you, and this is my last question for you, and then we're gonna you know have to let people get on with their day, but you know, um, what do you see evolving? For the future, like customer experience from a website, customer experience from a company, how do you see it evolving over the next couple years? Yeah, I mean, I know that I know that there are so many opinions on this, um, but I do think that how people interact with your site does impact search. Like, I do think there is something to be said about if someone clicks on the result and they click back. I really honestly do. Um, you know, I, I think that you have to build something that keeps people on it. Um, the other thing is like, you know. Well, real quick, I do want to yeah. make a comment to that because if you're looking at Google and you're calculating out the fact that they're using more AI in their yeah. algorithms than they ever have before. If you start looking at the fact that link building became less about like these numbers and more about uh, you know actual performance, right? As far as AI, AI is looking at you know somebody searching a query, going to your website, then coming back and searching that query again. There's absolutely no way that that's a good experience. And right. and, and and so if for me that aspect in itself is one of the strongest signals you could have for an AI based you know algorithmic system that wants to provide people an answer to their journey right um, so yeah. I think it's super 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 important but go ahead sorry yeah no no and that's a, that's a great point right just taking that like as Google evolves or, or Bing who, whoever we're talking about here, right? <laughs> uh, like, as they continue to evolve and get smarter Bing like, now powered by Google speaking. yeah that's right <laughs> I do think that those user signals are playing and are going to continue to play a bigger role. Um, you know, you mentioned voice search earlier in schema. I, I, again, that's something that I have like mixed feelings on, but it does go to the answer side of it. And, you know, I was watching Perna give a presentation um, last year and like one of the things she started off by saying was like, who thinks that voice search is overrated? And, you know, I, I raised my hand because I was like, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. But her point was like, the things that we're using for voice search, like they're just questions that your customers are asking, right? And like you should you should be addressing those. Whatever way it is that you're addressing those, like you should keep addressing them. Um, well, that's so because we, we answer that question, is it overrated based on the hype, not the actual should, use case, right? Because absolutely. the hype is that it's replacing search and no, right. it's absolutely <laughs> not, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. But her point that I just loved was, yeah, you the way that like what we're doing with voice search, like the way that we're telling you to optimize for it, you should be doing that anyway, right? You should already be doing that. Um, you know, and the other things that I think a lot about that go to the customer experience side um, is even just chat. You know, that chat functionality. There's so many good chat bots now, um, and the reason I say that is one, I think it's just fantastic for your own on-site content. Um, and I've been saying this for years, like. People who are using chat on their site or who aren't using their site search functionality, like the information that people are putting into those two things is gold, right? Like go look at what they're asking because that's the stuff that they care about. Um, but when I say chat, like the first thing I do if I need help from a bank or whatever site it is, is I go figure out how do I not have to call somebody? Exactly, right? right? I hit chat every time. Exactly. Um, and especially, and you know, like the generations younger than us, like they're certainly not calling anybody. <laughs> and you know, I, I will say this, you know, publicly, the, the reason why I go to chat is not for fear of talking to somebody. No. It's that I know I'm going to be on hold for 30 Absolutely. to 45 minutes and yeah. I don't want to sit there with this phone kind of like playing some music in the background <laughs> and, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden I come back and the phone's dead because I missed it because it was 45 yeah. minutes later, you know. So chat gives me the ability to continue on with my day and have a history. Yeah. Now, what drives me crazy for anybody that's listening to chat, if you're going to have a chat function that makes me wait longer than five minutes, don't give me 15 seconds after you respond before you close the chat. 
That drives me insane. It's like, I've been waiting 30 minutes. I come back and it's like, hello, I'm happy to help you. And then like 15 seconds later, it's like, have a good day. Click. Um, Yeah, I think chat is weird though, because it's, it's extremely useful. It's something people want, but I think it's one of those things out there where it's like, like creating an infographic and some of these other things, the steps that it takes without the guaranteed return makes it really hard to sell yeah. people on. We have to go in and spend hours, you know, that. curating yeah. questions and stuff like that. Even yeah. though it's super effective, I just don't think people put it on their their list. They should because yeah. we're again, that's the transition between checklists. So I guess the big summary kind of from a lot of this conversation is look, the checklist mentality is fine if it's actually solving you know your customer's experience but we need to focus primarily on the customer experience and realize that long term all the algorithms all of the platforms are looking at customer experience that's why your facebook pages don't have as much traction anymore that's why you can't follow people like crazy even though that they you know i always thought that was funny with instagram you can't follow too many people because if you do, then it's spam. And why? Like, they follow me back because they want to follow me back. Like, if right. they don't, don't. But <laughs> right. it's like, it causes enough anxiety for people, even though it doesn't hurt anybody algorithmically, it causes enough anxiety for people that they banned the function simply because of the anxiety. So user experience is driving the algorithms. And so yeah. you, and- you have to pay attention to that. Well, that and, you know, the other piece that I would say here is that, we have to look at the customer experience holistically, right? Mm-hmm. Like our SEO, our SEO and content teams need to be talking to the demand gen team, to the support team. You know, I think about one of the things that just absolutely infuriates me is if I have talked to someone on chat or I've searched the support site or if I've called and you don't help me, but the minute that I go to Twitter, suddenly you oh, have an yes. answer for me. Right. Like those everything needs to they people need to do a better job of thinking about customer experience holistically and not just by channel. And, um, and you can warn them all you want. I've done it before. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just going to tweet like in two seconds and get this whole thing resolved. Can't we just do it now? And they're like, nope, right. we can't. And they're like, why can't we? Oh, well, they're a different team. That's a right, different team. Exactly. They have a different capability to do that. Right. I'm like, that's silly. Right. And if you have a team, like even thinking about like your social team, like they're consistently spending time, if they're a good team, they're consistently spending time evaluating like what's working, what's not, what are the things that our customers are asking, that our audience is asking, what are the things that are engaging people that needs to be shared with the other pieces of your organization. And I don't think it is right now. Um, So I think that's something in in the future that people really need to think about it. Again, just how do I better integrate with these other people? Well, Casey, you have been an individual that has been in my close knit circle for almost a decade or if not over a decade and um you're one of the you know one of the people out there that i have no second thought about recommending or you know kind of reading or respecting so if people listening want to follow you they want to find you online they want to continue to to hear what you have to say how can they find you yeah, I appreciate that, and I feel the same way. I think you're one of my first like dig friends, you know, back <laughs> 2007 or something. Um, yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at KCG. Um, I always say connect with me on LinkedIn, but I'm not really there. <laughs> well, nobody can be with all the yeah. spam emails you get. You know, the chats are like one out of every hundred is somebody you actually know. I know. Um, or you can find me at comarketing.com. Beautiful. Thank you very much for coming to the show. I think this is a really great conversation. I hope that everybody got a lot from it and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Brent. Cheers. Hey there, I'm not Brent Satoris. I'm not Danny Goodwin. And I'm not Lauren Baker. That's Greg Finn and Jess Budd, and I'm Christine Zernhaus. If you listen to the Search Engine Journal show, we think you'll love our critically acclaimed SEJ network podcast, Marketing O'Clock. Join us every week as we report the latest SEO, PPC, and social media marketing news. This is a show for real-life marketers who want to do great work. And because we're IRL marketers too, we know you're talking about attribution, schema, and CPCs all day long. So we keep it light with plenty of spicy hot takes puns and rants. Plus, we talk about what's working hard and what's hardly working in our accounts and share what news stories have us saying WTH every week. So if you're ready to become a better marketer, subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and listen to new episodes fresh for you each and every Friday morning. Only on the SEJ Network.